Come in, Ocean Sailor. Come in, Ocean Sailor. The Ocean Sailor Podcast. Brought to you by Ocean Sailor Magazine and Kraken Yachts. Well, uh, welcome to Ocean Sailor Podcast. Uh, This is number 12, no less. Uh, And of course, uh, we're going to be hearing part two of what makes a blue water yacht uh, with the Sailing Millennial Falcon team of Adam and Chiara. I think you did the interview, of course, on this one, Dick, because I was away. Is that right? Yeah, you was off sailing and uh, I wanted to grab hold of... uh... Adam and Kiara and try and uh, have a good chat with them. We we spoke a hell of a lot about these very questions, and of course, John uh, Kretschmer, who who actually um, suggested to Adam and Kiara that uh, they come and do uh, that interview with me, right? Uh, which started the whole Millennial Falcon videos thing going, which all in the end went totally crazy. Um, and I wanted to get hold of him and cover a bit of ground that we hadn't really, I thought, covered. And uh, and also I wanted to have a good chat with them and f- uh, because I find them a very, very inspiring couple, you know. I think they, you know, the the way their openness, um, their the way they are sort of, their attitude, can-do attitude carries carries through. And I feel that I feel that they're doing a really good job and encouraging a lot of people to get out there, go sailing, and give it a go. So I wanted to just hear, understand a little bit about the background of what to motivate them to get into it. So I do hope That's you, uh, I do hope you enjoy it, Dick. Oh well, I'm I, I well. Let's let's uh, let's hear them then. I'm looking forward to this, uh, Dick, because I of course heard the the first part, which uh, was very good. Uh, he's an endearing character, Adam, and of course she is as well. She's Full of life, the girl, isn't she? So that's that's nice. Let's so yeah. hear it. I'm going to ask you: Have you spoke to anybody? It's a tricky one, this. But have you spoke to anybody that's as that's actually tried to justify the decision they've made about going across an ocean with a, a yacht with a boat on keel and and all that? No one. Well, we mostly. Mostly, it's like we we cop grief for saying you know things like the words plastic fantastic, which you know I I shouldn't be quite so derogatory because these are people's homes we're talking about. But generally, the defence or the the aggro we get is that well I did it, uh, you know, it's it's that old chestnut. It's like I did it, and so it can do it, and therefore it deserves the title. They'll which... say that you know like a few people we've spoken to, they'll they'll kind of say it's downsides. Um, you know, like, oh, the hole slapped uh, all the way, so we had to slow down, but it's got us here in one piece. Yeah. And mm. it's like, oh, okay. No one's right. ever made a convinced, like, a, a technical, referenceable, sort of scientific engineering-based artic- uh, example of why it's better. You know, like, about the only thing that remotely nudges that is, well, I'm so fast with my with my perfectly round hull, I can outrun the weather. Yeah, that's yeah. about the only remotely, and that's ridiculous. I don't believe that for a second. It's well, price. Yeah, um, I, I mean, it, it happens that um, I had a really got good guy um, do some work on the hydraulics of White Dragon when I was in Cape Town, and um, I'm going to plug the name of the company. And the company there is called Petek, and they did a fantastic job for me. They're great people. And they are involved in doing hydraulics, mostly in uh, uh, 
Cape Town uh, fishing vessels that are going to the deep Antarctic. So this is proper, you know, it's got proper proper gear. And the guy that was working for him, did the work on my boat, understood sailing. And I've been bashing on <laughs> probably for about two or three weeks, telling him all about everything that's wrong with boats with bolt-on kills and blade hung rudders and the normal soapbox I do, I must admit, tend to get on. And, uh, and uh, he, this Dave suddenly, he, he said to me, oh, you know, uh, I said, so what are you up to sailing-wise, Dave? He said, oh, well, actually, I'm sailing to the ABC Islands in, uh, you know, Carrica and, what is it, Bonaire and... Curacao, uh, Bonaire and Aruba. Aruba, Aruba oh, Aruba, yeah, Bonaire sorry. And yeah, yeah. And um, I said, oh, really? I said, what boat are you going in? He said, oh, I'm going in my, uh, yeah, well, anyway, it's a 46 um, associated company with the, the one I mentioned earlier. It was a Beneteau 46. I might as well say it. Might well. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and and he said... Uh, you can bleep it out later. And, and, I, and I said, uh, really? I said, oh, Dave, yeah. That's a long way. It's like six and a half, seven thousand miles sail that. I said, doesn't that worry you? You know, or, you know, the vulnerability of that. He said, no, Dick. I said, really? It doesn't. He said, no. I said, how come? He said, it'll never happen to me. And there you go, bang, in one go. And he was joking, but he meant, he just, he just said it never happened to me. But the point of the matter is, and of course people will get across oceans in production boats. Of course they will. Yeah. The point is that it is all out there just a numbers game. And the numbers, you keep doing it time after time after time, sailing all through your life, crossing oceans, racking up the miles. I tell you, your number comes in because there's one storm that's got its name written on you, and you just need to be, you know, better than fit and ready for it when it comes down your throat or other circumstances, things you hear, and and yeah. that's the bit that for me is all ultra serious, um, and it, it, mm. I, it it's it, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you know, of course, you don't expect people to suddenly say, oh, well, yeah, yeah, really, I know it's not upstanding. Most people are not going to do that. They're going to form some form of defence. But as I say, unfortunately, till now, really, it's been supported by the industry. You know, mm, as yeah. I say, I'm going well, back on them again, Category A, RCD, Category A, get your act together, do something <laughs> different. <laughs> I was just laughing as you said that because uh, you said, oh, you know, it's, it's uh, it's got to happen at some stage or other, you know. The you can only um, what do you say? You can only count too many times, was it? Uh, it can only oh, you know, your numbers up. Uh, your oh, number your will eventually up, be up. Eventually, yeah. And I was laughing because when we first bought our boat, we put it down in the water in a uh, in a canal system in um, near Fort Lauderdale in Placida, and first day of the yard, <laughs> our number was up. We went smash bang into some kind of submerged object under the water. I have no idea. In the canal. Um, but 
In the canal? In the canal. We were three miles like, from the slings. Wow. It was about three hours from when we from when we left oh, the slings. No. And our number was up. Our number was up straight then. And uh, and we didn't actually end up checking what... Well, we couldn't check what hit us. This is alligator-infested brackish canals, yes. might I add. Right, so nobody okay. was going to get in and have a look at the keel. We, we immediately went downstairs, made sure we don't have any bolts on our keel, obviously. So we were like, okay, we're not leaking. Well, that's great. Um, and then we continued to sail about... A thousand miles uh a yeah. couple of hundred miles of that stage um over to bahamas where the water was clearer and this must have been about a month later we were finally actually able to look at this this damage that was on our right. keel and it was like this big chunk was taken out of it i have no idea what it was but it just goes to show that like <laughs> sure you you can dodge it <laughs> however many times but this was in eight feet of water it's gonna happen. Know, like there's no there's no there's, there's those who have run aground and those who have lied about it. Like, if you do it long enough, whether oh, it's yeah. on day one or day 365, yeah. however long you need to do it, it'll happen eventually. Yeah, and, well, funny enough, you know, exactly. Same I've, with weather, ne- I, I've, I've never run, a, run aground once. I've run aground at least 15 times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, you know, it's, oh, you hear all this stuff, you know, and, oh, you know, you must be a terrible navigator if you run aground and, ah, oh, come on. It's not, it's just, go and, just go and try and practical. sail across the sandbanks in the Thames and see, and they're, they're all moving and see if you can manage oh, to thread yeah. your way, you know, and, and, of course, charts change and chart, large yeah. parts of the world you guys want to, go and explore i'm sure um is uh you know uncharted or largely uncharted so you know yeah, yeah i, I mean not- the places where you want to go like um you know one day we have aspirations to go around cape horn because yeah. you know we you? built the boat to do that so we didn't build the boat um we we got the boat to do that so why the hell yeah, not yeah. Yeah. and uh but those those charts were surveyed in the 1700s correct me if i'm wrong mm. um and so you just don't know what's there now. What cliffs have broken down in that time? What's, you know, how good what's, were their surveyings what log- then? What's changed? And that's what's below the surface. Then there's the question of like logs, containers, fish attraction devices. There's a, And there's so much crap falling in the ocean every day. <laughs> and it's not getting smaller. Yeah. So you just Well, on the boat I told you about. Makes perfect sense. On the boat I told you about Moonshadow. Actually, we've got some similarities here because, you know, on your first inaugural day on board, um, you've gone slamming into some obstruction in the canal. So you didn't even, didn't even yeah. get past day one by the sounds of it. My goodness. That's a, as, yeah. I've, as me saying about, you know, eventually your numbers came in, it came in before it got to one. That's pretty good going. But um, Exactly. I, on, on my maiden cruise from uh, Hong Kong to the Philippines, uh, 300 miles out from Hong Kong, actually in flat calm, uh, but at 10 o'clock at night, we suddenly slammed into something massively hard. We're in 2,000 metres of water or something. Um, and, you know, everybody's... We were having dinner, so everybody's up on deck. My God, one guy went and got the big torch I carry, shone it in the water just to see this 40-foot teak log by 8-foot thick, drift passes and we were in a raft oh, of about wow. four or five of them that we saw and my brand spanking new uh beautiful oh, boat no. moon shadow had all of the gel coats oh. smashed off of the bow 
I went over to bow in a oh. bosun's chair with a chisel to my new bow. As I, obviously, I thought oh, no. I thought we had to sink. It was a it was eight knots to stop bang, and I thought this must have oh. smashed the bow in. And um, yeah, it didn't because thankfully, as you know, and as your boat is testimony to, after forty years and one uh, half a day with you two. <laughs> <laughs> you, <laughs> you know the, the, the boat the, the, the boat took it and and I called yeah. uh, a guy's name was Basil Lin at uh, Tayana uh, Tayang company that built Tayana and I asked him yeah. you know hey Basil I've hit you know when I when I eventually got to Subic in the Philippines hey Basil you know this is what's happened I've hit this um, and I said to him you know so how thick is the uh, gel coat? How thick? Sorry, how thick is the layup um, at the bow? And he said, "Oh yeah, about twelve inches." And I thought, "Oh well, he hasn't understood. He's, he's you know Taiwanese hasn't understood what I meant." So I said, "No, no, yeah, the layup." He said, "Yeah, yeah, underneath the uh, underneath the anchor chain, it's solid glass because that's where we know you'll hit things." That was a little oh, one clever. that went in my book. I can wow. tell you, yeah, yeah exactly. Very good. See, that brings up another thing that I think is sort of pertinent to all of this talk about boats these days, and that's like the, the rise of the aluminium boats. And what I think's happened is that people, you know, they, they go, I want a boat and I want to go everywhere and I want to be able to, I want to be safe-ish if I hit something, right? But I don't want an old, I don't want to go 40 years back. I don't want an old boat. I want yeah. a new boat. So then they look at what's yeah. out there and they go, well, well, that's not going to hold up because, you know, we've, we all know enough about them. And so the assumption is that, well, fiberglass is weak. You'll never be as strong as aluminium. Mm. What they leave out is that five mil fiberglass is weak compared to aluminium, but 20 mil fiberglass lined with Kevlar or 12 inches of solid glass is plenty. It's yeah, absolutely well, you know, fine, they don't, if not they don't, better. They don't make the base of chieftain tanks out of aluminium or even steel. They make it out of composite material, and that's because it's much, much stronger, and that will take a, mm. an exploding shell. And... That's what mm. you've just said is true. The, you know, if you go back to, I, I know because it happened that when I was building um, my set my boat uh, White Dragon out with, which was built by a Tayang, it happened that um, they were doing a repair on a lagoon. I don't remember the size of it. Um, cat there. And the owner, Peter Chen, guy's name was, came to me and said, Dick, Dick, come and have a look at this through hole we've just taken out. And it, honestly, it wasn't five mil. It was less than five mil. The, the skin was less than five mil. And, and so oh, rightly, aluminium, as you just said, uh, Adam, you know, aluminium, five mil or six mil aluminium, yeah, of course it's going to be stronger than three or four mil, five mil, six mil yeah. fiberglass. But that's not, that's not actually the choice. That's not the full range of choices. A much better system is to uh, get a composite engineer, and we use a guy called Pete Lawson uh, in New Zealand, to say, right, we want the full specification of uh, a boat, uh, XYZ length, XYZ breadth, and it's got to be bomb-proof. And when you, you came over, I took you up to the yard, of course, and showed you um, the boat that's in build there. And it's, it's like a battleship. And it should be. Yeah. That's the game. That's what it should be. 
because you've got to stop mm. thinking. Well, there's two things. There's two dynamics going on here. First is we need to build it light and have a lot of form stability so it's fast and it wins races. And second, if we don't use much materials, it's cheap. And yeah. if you know, if you get caught with either one of those in a situation where you now need strength, you haven't got it. You just obviously haven't got it. I mean, you can ask anybody. You, doesn't matter about that um, YouTube video of the lagoon, um, which is now you know corkscrewing its way across the sea. You ask anybody that's going in a production, going out in a production boat that goes upwind, and you say to them, "Yeah, how did the uh, lockers in the fore cabin get on?" Everybody laughs. Oh yeah, they all sprung open. <laughs> well, and that's taken as acceptable somehow. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah. hey, look, hey, let's come back to it. It is. It's all fine as long as you say what I consider to be coastal. And yeah, stay in that's the lane. Really, yeah, stay in the lane, stay in the lane. And, and you know, um, listen, I want to move on to something else because uh, I have been monstrously jealous of the fantastic traction you guys have had in such a, a short period of time. Yeah. And I know you've got, I think, 70-odd thousand, 75,000 subscribers to your channel in a fairly short period of time. I've been bashing away with Ocean Sailor over two years, just over two years, just about two years now, um, and we've now got 6,000 subscribers uh, across about 100 and I think it's about 140 countries now. Which we, you know, we're very proud of, and of course, that's very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, it goes exponential, right? It, you, you know, it's not linear. So you're actually you're further ahead than you think you are. Yeah, well, it's we we've noticed actually in the it, particularly in the last kind of six weeks, the memberships and the subscriptions. Sorry, the subscriptions. It's a free magazine, um, but the subscriptions are, are are now racking up much quicker, and and so that's great. Okay. But you've great. you found the medium that really has worked for you to get your, mm. um, you know, young story across and you've brought a breath of fresh air uh, into a gut, into an industry that can be a bit old and stale. And and you've kind of come into it and gone, look, hey, it can be like this, guys. We're having a lot of fun. Um, and, and so where does that go now, do you think? Well, we weren't the first people to do it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there, like Kara just said, we're, we're not the first people to do it. We certainly haven't reinvented any, uh, invented anything. But uh, I think we've all got we've all got our styles and we've all got our passions. And for for me, I, you know, I I, I hear. It, well, let me start from the beginning. It, when it started, we were just telling our story, and that was that was enough because we, you know, we just. Yeah, threw caution to the wind, uh, got after it, made some educated decisions that actually paid dividends, and uh, we had a lot of calamity ensue, and we managed to muddle our way through, and we learned a ton, and uh, and that was the value that we could provide at the time, just entertainment and lessons. <laughs> Your point first. Just just let me ask, when you started doing that, was that for fun at the beginning? Was did you think? right at the beginning hey look here's a medium we can build it up to something you're much bigger were you focused on that i mean you guys i've seen you working and you put a very very professional 
um, uh, application together with how you do and the interaction between you two is very, very nice to watch. And you get the message over. And as you've said, Adam, you know, if, if you're not managing to get the message over, you just bring uh, Chiara on and you know, everybody goes, oh, yeah, I'll listen to that. <laughs> That's great. Listen. I'll listen exactly. to that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> stop listening to me over like, it's brief intermission. I'll do an old dance. Right, right, back, pay attention. But did you start thinking, hey, look, there's, you know, we could build this up into, or was it just fun? I think initially, so we started actually filming like straight off the bat prior to us buying the boat, us boat searching. Um, but it, it was about three, five months in that yeah. we, and we were kind of thinking, anything. oh yeah, we might do something. Yeah, I haven't really, do, haven't really done anything with like five months of footage. And we went back home to visit family where we had Wi-Fi, where we had nonstop uh, power. And, uh, and we were like, okay, well, you know what? If it's not now, then it's, then it's never. So why the hell not? I mean, why have we been filming all this stuff for, for just no reason? So we actually didn't start with the thought of like, of yeah, we want to have a successful YouTube channel and, and all that stuff. Like we'd already saved up two years worth of, of, uh, of saving. So we already saved up to be able to be, to be sailing for two years. So we knew that if all, all right. YouTube things failed, then that's fine. We didn't have to rely on it. And we're perfectly happy to just go back home, save up a bit more money, come back out sailing and just do that, which is what a lot of people do mm. um, who we've met along the way. Yeah. So we didn't initially think, and I don't think anybody should really think, you're going to go out there and, and become like an instant um, success on, on YouTube or a millionaire automatically. You know, you need to kind of build up to it. Oh, we Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> are we millionaires? <laughs> no, we're, we're not. We're not. You know. <laughs> I don't look at the books, so I wouldn't know. Um, yeah, well, we never. Yeah, you you can't count on it, and we just we thought we'd just document everything. And in a way, I like we bought a GoPro, right? The cheapest original GoPro, and we we did a charter holiday as a sort of a training run for ourselves. It was ten days in the Whit Sundays, and if we got through that, well. We obviously can do this and we enjoy it. Learned right? a lot. Absolutely a invaluable. Ton. And I'd say anybody should do that if they're Definitely. thinking about sailing. And we, we recorded that as a bit of a fun exercise on this new GoPro. And it was all it was actually quite fun. And we got a real chuffed when we came home and showed it to our family. And, and we, it was just genuinely a beautiful thing to make a video about. So then we said, well, let's just keep doing that. Hey? So when we go, we started picking up the camera and said, you know, it's almost like you're talking to mum and dad at home. And it became <laughs> yeah. a little bit cathartic after a while. Yeah, okay. like I, I when, get that. You know, I can understand that. Yeah. It's a weird way of turning a frown upside yeah. down when you're like, oh, we've missed the bus. So you pull out the camera and you're like, you'll never guess what's just happened. And you start telling the story. Yeah. Um, and it makes you feel like it's not all for naught and you're not just getting stuffed around. Yeah. And then six months went by and we, we made some videos and we put them out there and, uh, and they were... They were pretty Cause, well received. Because what you've done, as I, I understand it, and you know, when we were talking, we, you were laughing, because I can't claim to be you know, a, a great, uh, I'm not going to claim to be any form of a guru on social media. <laughs> quite, quite the opposite, unfortunately. But what you've done is you've kind of filmed it waltz and all, haven't you? You've come, yeah, you, you, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. it, exactly. people often wouldn't want to certainly document their um screw ups and their mistakes and their mm. you know their setbacks yeah. and their tears and their anguish but i think you have done exactly yet that you've gone yeah. this is it's not a picnic all the time no, i want to go home and <laughs> <laughs> right or not 
No, absolutely, absolutely. Right. You don't fact, win any a... points by being like yeah. superhuman and and never getting anything wrong because that just puts the the people's dream of cruising around the world further away from being achievable. And that's the last thing we ever want anyone to think. In it, in actual mm-hmm. fact, our goal is to be extraordinarily ordinary, <laughs> and just so that if we can do it, anyone can do it. All you have to do is just not give up. And, and we have received cry. messages. Oh, well, I have cried and have filled myself crying, which now I fully regret. Every time I see that horrendous thumbnail, of <laughs> me in tears. <laughs> um, but we, but we have received messages from people saying um, something similar along the lines of, uh, you know, I I used to watch all these channels and just thought, how am I ever going to get started sailing? If that's you know, if if it's meant to be. Well, like, how am I ever going to learn if every day is perfect? And these people just look perfect when they're sailing and nothing ever goes wrong. How am I ever going to learn to be at that stage? And then they'll look at our videos and be like, okay, well, we can see that they're learning. They're failing, they're having mistakes when they've learnt off them. And slowly, slowly, they're starting to get to the stage of what these other YouTube channels look like, where they're constant, you know, their days are constantly perfect. They're constantly sailing in perfect mm. weather. They're doing all these things because they're hiding all the issues that actually happen on sailboats. Things break, you know? Yeah. You, well, you, you bump <laughs> yeah. into things. As you know, and I was telling you, you know, it's not something that you can flag up too uh, strongly, um, but uh, certainly my experience has been, and I've told people, you know, that, mm, yeah, just before you think what it is all about is sailing off to find the next perfect uh, palm tree fringe bay to have a gin and tonic in, actually what you're going to be doing is sailing around the world working out where you can fix your boat best next. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yes. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and, and you get this, I can remember in, I got arrived in Kota Kinabalu and it was a luxury pool there and it was a, big hotel and there's a real quite nice marina and uh you know and, and beautiful tropical surroundings and it was all lovely and i got off the boat walked down to the you know to the office and i said where's the nearest big hardware shop <laughs> and the guy said yeah it's totally what? right isn't it? <laughs> what and I was, he said, I said, no, no, where, where can I go? I need to get some drill bits. And I need to get this and I need to get that. And he said, and he, you know, and I could see the guy's not got it at all. Well, not, you know, just shaking his head. He thinks I'm going to ask him if I can go and use the pool or where the restaurants are and all the rest of it. And then I, I rocked up in this uh, Chinese emporium, in, uh, which is a, a big tool shop. Ah, oh, it's like Christmas. You know, all the gear I couldn't get. And, well, hey, look, they've got, oh, they've got, yeah, yeah, I'll have that. And, uh, and, and there's no question that, that's exactly that is, like us. That's what you do, you know what I mean? Uh, and and your, your videos have shown that and have shown the, the reality, you know, the unvarnished, really, yeah. the unvarnished truth. And, uh, and, and, and let me then go, obviously, I know that your, your physios, uh, are all out there for people to use free of charge, and but at the same stage, um, you know, I believe you've been really well supported by some of your um, uh, subscribers. Some of your viewers have gone one step uh, further, unsolicited, I think, in general by you. It's not something that uh, I've seen um, you saying, "Oh, like you know, please help us." But at the same stage, a lot of people have um, tried to try to do the right thing, and they've enjoyed your videos, and yeah. and they've uh, they've they've 
clicked onto uh, Patreon, is it? You know, I don't know these things. So. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. And, and, and that's, uh, and that's, that's, that's building up and giving you the chance, you know, to keep doing that and, and, and keep yeah. entertaining people and telling them the truth, you know, good on you. Yeah. I really think that's fantastic. And I think a lot of our patrons as well, they, um, either some of them are people who are learning to sail um families who want to kind of go out there and they're just like oh i wouldn't mind like a little bit of support or you know they uh, and then others who also just enjoy seeing the calamity unfold um but i guess a lot <laughs> oh, of them are yeah. like yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of them are just like well you know w- what shall i do if uh, like what kind of boat are you after and because you know they're they're close to us they're our patrons and and we're happy to answer mm. any and all questions we we now like form a, a relationship with a lot of them where do, adam's yeah. always on the phone like hour-long conversations about now what boat are you checking out tomorrow while they're boat searching and he's helping them going on okay now now just remember that they might need to have you might need to check this part of it and and giving them advice on what boats to buy and how to well, it's not a what real boats fringe to buy, benefit it's yeah quite, it's quite cool um yeah, yeah you, i could you, say that. Well, hey, I'm going to interrupt you here, and I'm going to tell you when I back in the day we were talking about me back in the day and being your age and deciding I'm going to, uh, you know, because I didn't have the means otherwise, so I'm going to uh, start building a boat. But mm. I tell you, there were dozens of books. There was a great mm. couple called the Hiscocks, and they they wrote a whole series of books about the wonderful experiences they had, waltz and all, and they they had a book huh. called Come Aboard. Uh, no, sorry, yeah, come aboard. And, you know, uh, and I mean, I'm talking 40, 50 years ago, and, oh, everybody aspired to be them. They'd written books to fund their route and, and their onward uh, passage. Got to check them um, out. Yeah. But, but you would, there were dozens of books, but dozens of books about every element of yacht building, what did you really need, and, and all the rest of it. But they're not there. Yeah. People... I do know because I've talked to uh, a, a, a guy that's sailed with me a short distance uh, down the uh, um, east coast of Australia. Um, said to he came with us. We we bumped into it, but not literally. We bumped into we were anchored in the same bay, and he came over to uh, Moonshadow, and then he said, "Oh wow, a real cruising boat! You know, I'd love to sail a boat like this." And we were going to Mackay. Uh, on the east coast, both going. And I said, well, if you're leaving your boat there and you want to go, you know, come back, you come as crew. And so I got to talk to him a fair bit. Um, and I was shocked that he's, <laughs> he, he, he bought, it was a 46-foot uh, Geno, and um, he, he uh, clearly didn't have a lot of sailing experience. Um, and... I said to him, you know, one evening as we we're sitting, you know, sailing down the coast, I said, I'm intrigued. How did you, how did you make, how did you come to the decision about what was the right boat for you? And he said, well, I went to Sydney Boat Show and I went to see this one, this one, this one, this one. And uh, so I picked the one that I thought was right. I, I said, based on what? He said, well, you know, obviously ask the salesman loads of questions. And you think, oh, God, you know. You're asking oh, no. the wrong guy, somebody with a vested interest. And exactly, yeah. yeah. A, a, a vested interest. And, and you know, uh, and that was his selection process. And I thought how mental that was. I mean, I really thought that is completely bonkers. 
But then I thought, well, actually, the books that I all that I relied on and I got my knowledge from, and the people that I there was more probably I think more of a sailing community. There were less boats, but there was more of a sailing community, you know, uh, back in that day than, than than there is now. And I think that, and I thought to myself, well, I don't know where these people get their advice from. Actually, you're thinking about it. Well, yeah, I suppose they've got to get it from from boat show salesmen. Um, and and hopefully you're the uh, you're the answer to that. They can you know tune in, listen to you, and. You know, you can give them that unbiased advice, and I know you are doing. So, listen, there's one one thing I want to ask you, Adam. You know, um, Kiara's just telling us about video shots that she bared her soul with her, to- her crying and tears rolling down her face. Just how much hate mail <laughs> did you get as a result of that? Most oh. people were pretty sympathetic. <laughs> <laughs> well, the f- pretty pretty much. Did, I mean, would that's you like to tell standards. the story, or should I tell the story? You can tell the story. You brought it on yourself, and I was I I did definitely cop flack, but the so for context, the story was that this is when we were pulling up our teak decks, and I was downstairs working on the propeller, um, and Kiara not it's sort of a one person job. There wasn't much to do, uh, you know. So she was like, "I'm going to go upstairs and keep ripping up teak," and I said, "Look." Unless we can get up there and clean away all the goop and seal all the screw holes, don't rip up any more than you can fill in a day. Because if it rains and you've done more than you can fill, it's just a disaster. Oh. What happens? Oh, no. <laughs> I took up more than I can fill. Somebody bit off, got a bit overzealous. Um, points for enthusiasm. While I was at um, it, I may as well have. <laughs> and, and it's piss and rain and we're running for the tarpaulins and anything we can find and it's just we're not keeping the water out. And uh, obviously somebody got a bit upset. Um, and uh, I definitely copped, copped grief for filming the incident. But I felt, you know, we always regret when we don't film things. For us, you can always cut it away in the editing suite. And, and if you're going to tell a story, tell the whole story. And if, it's, if Kiara decided later, she's like, I'm not comfortable with that, we could have cut it out. So it's not really me putting a exposing a side of her like we had you all get to we all get to sign off on the final product um and and i think the grief grief that i copped was actually so this is the cover story you've both agreed um to divert from the fact that adam Adam was the one that really upset you (laughs) yeah because because i gotta tell you guys my little experience um of podcasting and and uh, youtube video Oh my God! You know, you do open the floodgates. You stick your head above the oh, uh, the parapet, and uh, you know there's there's yep. there's so many guns firing at your direction with so many bloody experts oh. that it, you know you just you yeah. do you, and you can't you can't take it to heart, can you? Because I mean, I do fire back, yeah. and it, yeah. you know, silly really, because I'm just going. You're no, very no, good no. to. But you you can't really, can you? Just got to let it go and really realize that you're pleasing. I imagine this is your attitude. You know, you please most of the people most of the time, but you can't please all of the people all of the time, and that's a certainty, isn't it? That's exactly. It. You have to look at it like yeah. a numbers game because yeah, the unfortunate I have, I could go on for hours about the gripes I have with YouTube, but they don't do a very good job protecting the creators from trolls, and so we have to, you know, everyone knows where we are, what we're doing, you know, warts and all, as you say. 
um, but we get almost no information about them. And and you, the only way I can uh, basically protect myself is is to to block them. But I have they have to get me in the ribs bad enough to warrant that response at least once, and that's fine. But if you extrapolate that to a couple of hundred a week um, of comments, you know you might cop three or four chips in the ribs every week, and sometimes they can you carry them around for a while. It takes yeah. a long time to to build up a thick skin, and um, and then when you think you do have a thick skin, sometimes you get another one. And you're like, oh, oh that got me right. where I thought I was safe. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, I mean, so it, it, yeah, it, it takes it, a bit of a thick it, skin it, to it, do it. It's a it bit of a sad indictment on humanity and its current state, isn't it? That there seems to be people out there whose entire reason for being is to try and cause upset and disharmony and uh, and and just yeah. I mean, I. You know, when you listen to what goes down with uh, some, you know, real celebrities and uh, especially the younger ones, and obviously there's names that, you know, spring to mind, people that couldn't deal with that load, you know, and you realise that these there's people out there that are so totally merciless that they will just carry on and carry on and carry on and carry on until they've brought, brought you, uh, you know, to your knees it would seem and then that mm. seems to be giving them some form of satisfaction it's a bit hard to deal with i think you've done i i don't i just go into a corner and start swearing and shouting and telling us <laughs> you know <laughs> but, but every time i've responded i've pretty well you know regretted it really because i realized yeah. ah, ah, yeah. ah, ah, ah you just yeah, gas yeah, yeah. You just saluted, you know, mistake. You just saluted, exactly. And uh, uh, yeah, so. and you'll get yourself riled up for for hours afterwards, thinking, "Oh, I should have said this," and "Oh, maybe what's he going to write back?" Constantly checking, and instead, we've just learned, okay, if you just get rid of it, you know, if you just block oh, it, right. then okay. that's yeah, the end yeah. of it. Or, or for us, we try and write back politely and just say that's something like, "That's a fun like, game." If you can turn them around, like yeah, if like you with can actual facts as to how down. and why we said it. Be nice to people that are being nasty. That's a technique, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what? I'm no good at that. <laughs> I can't. I can't tell you. <laughs> I'm going to win. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to win that one. Um, and t- yeah. So anyway. So well, we, perhaps we will leave that one. And then, of course, you know, we had a really, really wonderful time uh, out sailing on the new Kraken uh, Fifty, uh, Sophie Marie. We went off around the uh, the whole of the Mamara. And we were so lucky because we had every wind from every direction and uh, yeah. and had uh, you know, a truly fantastic time. But the thing I want to say to you, and again, I see it sound like I'm being very sycophantic here, but, you know, keep doing it because what actually happened, you phoned me up. I mean, I, you know, I'd like to let the listeners know. You phoned me up and said, hey, Dick, you know, uh, our friend John Kreshman has told us to come and talk to you about Blue Water Yachts. I was on my way to uh, Turkey um, a few days, two or three days later, and I said to you, well, yeah, okay, that's going to work, uh, but it'll have to be quick. Uh, how about the day after tomorrow? Now, of course, what you normally get is, oh, well, hang on, I'll have to look at my diary and work out this and Oh, yeah, and, and then you get statements like, oh, yeah, I'd really like to do that, which doesn't tell you anything. <laughs> but. <laughs> and, and you didn't. You went, oh, yeah, all right then. I thought, God, that's good. 
Actually, yeah, good. It's like, you know, it's not, you know, I didn't yeah. just invite you to a barbecue when you're around the corner. You were in Ponta Delgado. And the next thing I know, you, you, you're uh, knocking on my front door, the, the little cottage I yeah. bought down in Old Lee, the fisherman's <laughs> cottage. And then, of course, better, even better still, um, the owner was a few days late in uh, wanting to pick the, uh, his boat up, thanks to the COVID situation and everything else. Um, and so we had a few more days uh, uh, with Sophie Marie than we thought we were going to have. So I, and I was doing this 400, we were doing this four to 500 mile um, sea trail, livable sea trail that we do with all the boats, which shows up massive difference from just twice around the bay and all that stuff. And of course, I phoned you up and said, look, it's a bit of a stretch, but I don't know, if you're at a loose end, uh, you'd have to be here in four days' time. <laughs> Um, but you can, you know, if you fancy it, come on a sail around, you know, around the Mamara Sea on the new Kraken 50. Uh, and you did that as well. For us, we were like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who's going to say no to that, right? Exactly. I think Adam initially, straight off the bat, before he even messaged you, we were, we were like talking, uh, before we'd even arrived in the Azores, Adam was saying that uh, he was like, oh, you know, when we get to, when we get to the Mediterranean... Um, you know what, what boatyard's there? You know what boatyard's there? It's Kraken, they're in Turkey. So maybe if we sail we up there... Get that far. Yeah, if we can get that far, do you think they might let me, like, walk on one of their boats or something? Or, like, go around the yard? <laughs> and I was like, oh, come on, Adam. That's a little bit... That's a little bit wishful thinking there. I don't think boat, I don't think boat builders really, like, let you actually walk around and film and do all that stuff. And then, you know, a month later, we arrived in the Azores, and, uh, and that's when Adam messaged you and said, oh, hey, you know, do you want to just do an interview? Um, and I don't think I certainly didn't expect to for it to progress to the stage where we're actually no, going on a sail in a kraken. <laughs> and how can you how can you say no to that when like months before we were just dreaming about even being able to walk around the yard or see one? <laughs> and it is can't like say no. it is my dream boat. I know I know you build them, but it is like John. Like we get asked this question all the time: What would you buy if money was no object? And we've tried really hard. And any answer that I give needs to be defensible because obviously, as we've discussed, I've made my position fairly clear about my criteria. So if I come back with something that sort of contradicts that, then, you know, it's, it's a problem. And so we really struggled to find a boat that met all of the criteria. criteria. For, for the millions of dollars that people hypothetically said, what would you buy the boat for? Yeah, and like, you know, we could have found a bunch of boats that ticked like two out of three maybe, but no one did all of them. And then I was talking to John about this um, in Bermuda when we caught up briefly and he said, because he has the same issue, and he told me about the Kraken and then I looked it up and I was like, ooh, ooh. And then I started yeah. looking up the company and I was like, I wonder if I could, because it, it, it's, it answers the, the question, the literally the million dollar question for us. <laughs> Uh, it answers that. It's the it is the boat well, that t ticks all the boxes for me, and it is probably the yeah. boat I would buy if I had a million dollars. Definitely, that's, I think well, that was that's the, number one of our list. That, you'd have to have a million euros, by the way, not dollars. Damn it! <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but actually, yeah, same, same. No, no, I mean, people people were asking hypothetical uh, if you had unlimited money. I think they said, yeah. and if you had a hundred, I'll have three. Yeah, if you had a hundred million, and we're like. Really? Jesus, can I just buy a million dollar yacht and just like save the rest? Yeah, yeah that <laughs> like... was our answer actually. To be honest, before we found Kraken, the answer that we put out to, in in on YouTube was, you know what? I would actually probably go back and I'd buy like a Taswell 49 or something like a bigger yeah. 
older boat, I'd put another hundred grand into it to make it as good as I want it to be, and I'd bank the rest because I can't see anything that's worth out there today. I can't see anything yeah. that's worth that. That yeah, I well, really is going yeah, to tick all my boxes. As, as, How bad is as that? I guess, yeah, that's very very kind words, and you know that was my entire motivation for starting cracking up you know had quite a successful mm. life in business and wasn't and i was you know i was and <laughs> think i am retired um but i'm not very, <laughs> I, i'm not yeah all right i'm not very i'm not very good at that i realize um and you know After the last week i don't think i so. just <laughs> you know i just heard so many bonkers things told to me you know i spoke to a yacht designer one time and she remained nameless and um, he said to me, oh you know i'd like we'd like to draw some boats for you so i said oh yeah okay well that's very interesting and he said but there's a couple of things you know you know we don't really agree with you about uh full skeg rudders and unbalanced rudders so i said well no that's kind of mandatory really that's yeah that's that's the second on the list of absolute criteria that it must have he said no it doesn't really need to be that anymore there are materials i said no no look don't tell me that i'm the one that's been stuck on a reef in northern indonesia don't just just don't give me all that and what he said was well what we could do you don't really need what you think you need we could make um the bottom half of the rudder um break away if it was on a reef so i said you, oh no yeah true how's that help anyone yeah and well so i said to him so my great sales pitch is going to be not that this boat will take everything that it will that's thrown at it but uh, actually if you get stuck and it's a bit difficult bottom half the rudder's going to break off <laughs> and I, I said you've got to be kidding me i said you know if you if you oh, get no. the balance of the boat right and 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 you'll notice if you get the balance of the boat right you haven't got a tremendously heavy helm. You've got a helm that you feel what's going on. And and there's the question. Why is it so important to have a fingertip steering, you know, that's so light you can steer with your... Yeah. Why does that matter? You've got two arms, for God's sake. You know, steer the boat, feel what you've got. That will teach you about how to balance your boat and set your sails. Because, you, you know, if, if you don't do a good job, of course the boat goes out of balance. And now she's, you know, trying to pull hard to wind or, you know, uh, yeah, or broach yeah. or something. And then you know all of those things. Um, so you do balance the boat. And, and I just found there was, you know, and, and this particular guy said to me, well, you know, you know, like we're designers. And I said, I'll tell you what I'll do with you. You stand me in a room with 30 designers telling me I don't know what I'm talking about. And I'll tell you every reef and every situation and every storm that I went to that brought me to those conclusions. And and that's why I started uh, Kraken, and to build, and I'm not ashamed to say it, I am certain of this, to build the ultimate blue water cruising yacht. And and she's there alongside, mm. as you saw earlier out the window, and and, and you took a lovely yeah. tour around the Mamara Sea. So I'm very happy that you had such a positive Fantastic. experience yeah. with us. And. Uh, and, and yeah, thank you so much. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. For inviting us. Yeah, out. I'm sure, guys. We're going to spend lots and lots more time together over time. You know, we have a kindred spirit. Maybe I'll eventually get John to answer his phone, and we can all get together 
<laughs> and sit around and have a few beers and uh, and, and and tell ourselves maybe that, what corner kits are. Yeah, and, yeah, that's yeah. it. Well, we should do that. It'd be great to do that. But it's been it's been fantastic, and I want to tell the I want to tell the listeners uh, that uh, your uh, story, the Millennial Falcon story, is uh, uh, features in Ocean Sailor magazine under Sailor's Story this month. It's out now. Um, and, and where do the uh-huh. listeners find uh, find about you and your YouTube channel? You you tell them. Uh, you can find us if you simply search Sailing Millennial Falcon on YouTube or Google. I hope we'll be the first thing that come up, and I'm pretty sure yeah. we are. <laughs> Otherwise, you can get us at sailingmillennialfalcon.com and follow the bouncing ball from there. And if you really, really like us, you can find us at Sailing Millennial Falcon. No, what's our patron? Sailing Millennial Falcon on patron. On patron, yeah. yeah. But it's millennial because we're millennials, not millennium, although we are Star Wars fans too. Is that what, is that what I said? There was, I, yeah. I, I told you Dick did. off for saying that. Did he said millennium? Oh, no, 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 you didn't. No, you, you said it oh, fine. Yeah. But in case anybody's searching and they're like, oh, how do you spell this oh, stupid word? In which case, spell check would probably help you anyway. But it's millennial. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, should we tell a funny story? Should we tell the funny story about uh, my misunderstanding <laughs> of the word millennial? Oh, please do. Um, because I, I want to tell the readers this, you know. Um, obviously, uh, as you heard, Adam, uh, contacted me, asked to do an interview and turned up and, you know, said, oh, we've got this channel, it's called uh, Millennial Falcon uh, because we are millennials. And like some kind of a donor, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that meant they were built, they were born on the year 2000. So I'm expecting two 21-year-olds to turn up and uh, at my door <laughs> in Leon C. And... Uh, and I thought, wow, this is really special. 21, how did I manage to do that? Brilliant. We're so much more and, impressive then. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, they, they turned up at my door, and my first impression was, well, maybe, you know, it's hard sailing. <laughs> a, a hard life. A lot of time in the sun. Uh, oh, they lived in Australia. Oh, a lot of time in the sun. And then, as, as t- yeah, and as time went on, and so I started to hear more about your career, so I think these numbers are just not fitting together. It was when you said on the phone uh, to Adam, when you had the conversation about, uh, do you want to come to Turkey, sail on the Kraken, that you said, well, you know what? For twenty-one-year-olds, you guys are just are just on it. You know exactly what I've been trying to spruik for for like however many years, and you're only twenty-one. And Adam and I were on the other end yeah. of the phone, going, "What? <laughs> uh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But uh, yeah, no. So that was a funny one, and uh, and of course, I'm now fully educated in what a millennial really is um, but uh, also guys so where next what's the plan where are you going uh i think for now we are going to use our ocean going boat to cross some oceans mm. we are uh, from here we're planning to with a few stops along the way um we're planning to head back across the caribbean across the atlantic ocean and then because we seem to like ocean sailing that much uh, we're going to go a little further on in the year, so next April, we're then going to head back across the Atlantic again, west to east, and go up to Norway. Are you? Yes. Mm. So we have a few more ocean crossings oh, in, our, oh, okay. in our future. Brilliant. Mm. Yeah, good. Well, it's good out there. It's kind of, yes. it's a special kind of a place. It's it's your own country. It's your own island. You can, you, you know, the rules you create are those that you have to 
live by and sometimes <laughs> despite the rules that you want to create you realize uh oh there's a few restrictions and uh i'm sure you're going to have a fantastic uh time thank ahead you. of you and thank you very much for coming on the ocean sailor podcast thank you so thank much you for very having us very much for having us yes. anytime we've had a great chat thank you Well, there you are, Dick. Uh, what did you think of that? Was Did you find that interesting? I hope you did. Well, i tell you what I did like. Um, I like the fact that uh, Adam uh, said that, uh, you know, he was, he was honest enough to say about uh, what makes, in his opinion, a blue water yacht. He said, look, I've had a lot. My experience is all anecdotal or mostly anecdotal, not scientific. And of course, you were able to produce the science in as much as the, the, the Kraken is an engineered, um, is an engineered boat, of course. Uh, and so that was good. Um, and then I, I also found it quite interesting when Kiara was talking about a lot of people she's spoken to who have gone across the oceans in the sort of boats that we think are best not to go across oceans, i.e. bolt-on keels and twin rudders, etc., etc. And she said, but even they say, even they sort of put a caveat on it by saying, well, you know, she, 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 she slapped and slapped and banged and it was a bit scary at times, but we got there in the end. And you sort of think, well, hang on a minute. I think I'd rather get there uh, every end. One day, perhaps I won't get there. Well, yeah, there, there's, there's a couple of things I'd like to add into that, Dick. The first thing is, you know, people, yeah, I heard it said a lot of times, oh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're designed to take all that pounding. But actually, it's the flexing that's created by that pounding that's the problem because it causes micro uh, cracking in the fibers uh, of the, uh, the layup of the GRP. Right. Um, and so gradually over time, the boat is becoming weaker. But my main kind of thing is that, you know, you're not supposed to be doing this as an endurance. You're supposed to be doing this for fun. And yes. I go out there sailing because it's a great place to be and it's a, a good thing to do and when you know i'm not going there to to bloody well endure it no and, but... and, and so i i think that's a factor that needs to come into play and of course you know the type of boat that you're going to go and do this in is key to your enjoyment i mean yes and i don't just mean i don't just mean old production boat. i'm not going on about production boat but it's any boat i mean i know for example um, you sailed on Gypsy Moth, which although it was a very iconic boat, very famous boat, um, tremendous amount was achieved on, on that particular boat. You you found it, I think, a bloody pig to sail, and it wasn't fun to sail. Am no, I, no. Am I right in that? Yeah, too? no, that's, uh, that's very much the case. I think everyone who sailed on Gypsy Moth would agree with that. And, of course, uh, Chichester himself um, uh cursed the boat all the way to Sydney, where it was, it was his first stop. Uh, he cursed Dillingworth all the way out and <laughs> Primrose all the way back. They were the two designers. He also had a big chunk of keel and rudder put on out in Australia, but she was still difficult to sail. Uh, of course, and he had self-steering as well. Um, so, but to hand steer, she, she was, as the, as, the, as the captain or skipper, I should say, that uh, I had with me, an army guy, he said, steering Gypsy Moth is like trying to steer a supermarket trolley on ice. Mm. Uh, so she's some idea of what she was doing. Like. So, so, yeah, yeah. And, and of course, here you go. Uh, Chichester was doing that to be first. Yes, indeed. So there was a question, there was an issue for him 
of enduring it, proving yes, very much. that man against the sea and all of that whole good thing. Yes. Uh, it was a fantastic voyage, of course. But actually, <laughs> all of the people we're talking about go out there because it's fun. Yeah. And the more you can load, your, load the dice in your favour to have fun, and, and, and by the way, for me, I, I'm just also going to say, and this is a point that we didn't really get onto, you know, it's not just about being safe, but it's also about feeling safe. Yes, and, of course. And, and if, you, if you're frightened because yeah. you think your boat's going to break up, you can't have fun. I don't no, give no. a damn who says no. otherwise, you know. Exhilarating when the boat is flying is one thing, but thinking, oh, I wonder if this will hold together till I get to port, which is what Chiara yeah. was saying, is, I think, said entirely different. Yeah, absolutely right. So it yeah. was, it was intrig- very interesting from that point yeah. of view. And, and as I said earlier, um, very interesting to talk to Adam and Chiara and find out their motivations, how they did it. I, I find them a very intrepid uh, couple and very, yes. very interesting. And I suppose, you know, Dick, you and I have have talked about uh, the very lack of sailing material, uh, instructional sailing material that's available to people nowadays. But of course, here you go, social media is filling yeah. that gap. In, very much. And, very and much. they are very much, I think, educating tremendously yes. people into some of the realities. Because the thing that comes across, and I think you've mentioned it before, is, you know, they're not dressing it up. They're not going, oh, wow, look, here we are in another, that's not, here we are in another, you know, beautiful location. Some of it is, and of course they are. But what they have included in what they've done is their disappointments and their trials and tribulations. And I think that's the valuable stuff to uh, to be listening to and, and and understanding when you're thinking about going and doing this. Cause it's not yes. always a picnic. No, no, I think that's very true. I mean, Adam made the point that uh, when Kiara was ripping up the teak decking, he said, "Look, don't take up uh, more than we can relay and cover because it might start raining." So she went ahead and ripped up a whole load, and then they couldn't couldn't reapply what they were reapplying and it rained and, and he wasn't very happy. Yeah, well, that's, yeah that, that's the deal. You, she you started know. crying. Yeah. But, but I mean, the point is, he said, look, the thing is you have to keep the camera running. There's no point cutting out. There's no point in pretending that there aren't these uh, pitfalls, obviously, because that's what it's all about, isn't it? Anyway, he's, I liked his phrase, actually. He said, it's about turning a frown upside down, which I thought was quite, <laughs> <laughs> quite nice. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, it was it was it was really it was yeah. very good fun to do. Very interesting yeah. for me to do it. I yeah. enjoyed it. Oh, um, pity, pity I was course, always saying I like to have met him, but there we are. And of course, time. you know the other, you know. So and I hope everybody enjoyed it as well. Um, and just let everybody know we are going to try and get back to uh, a much more regular uh, broadcasting um, period. We did go quite a long time because we did just get overwhelmed. Really at Kraken, I got overwhelmed at Kraken, as I've said before, with the the all of the uh, interest that was generated by the videos that we did interested in Kraken. But we 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 were on that horse of riding it well, um, so we'll we'll be able to get back to getting the podcast out again. And of course, what we we've, we've just finished, Dick, is uh, the January edition of uh, of Ocean Sailor. 
uh, Oceanside Magazine. Magazine, which is going out um, in just a couple of days now. Yes, yes. Um, and we've got year. a lot in there. Yeah. We've got a lot. We got, it's been difficult, though, Dick, hasn't it? Because we had, to, push, you know, it? We, we had to more or less go into the 1st of January edition straight after the December. Yes. Because, of course, half of December was taken up by Christmas holidays. And then yes. you throw in a bit of COVID this sure. and COVID that. To disrupt the, it's and it's been a, it's been difficult, but I think yeah. we've got a really good one out there, and you've done a very interesting story, I know, with uh, Peter Firstbrook, um, yeah, yes. who's uh, you know big proponent of the uh, of the issues that are coming about on uh, climate change, yes. as well as a lot more. Of course, I don't know if you've noticed this, Dick, but. In the period of time where you've been doing the podcast, in that period of time, there's less people that are climate deniers now than there That's was. True in, yeah. do, you, do you reckon that? I do. I do. Uh, yes, there's less and less. They're, they're still out there. But, I mean, oddly enough, Peter Firstbrook told me, and I think it's what's in the, in the piece we carried with him, but... Uh, he worked for many years, 25 years with the BBC. And, and I said to him, look, one of the things that worries me a little bit about the BBC, it never puts the counter-argument, i.e., is, is global warming from natural causes? You don't hear that anymore. And he said, well, we did. We always used to do that, but we don't anymore because 98% of scientists say that it is down to man's activity and only 2% say that it is not. He said, so therefore we can't, <laughs> you can't counterbalance 98% with 2% because it, it's, it's a, a it disproportionate. Put, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It put a but I, I think, I, I definitely think that there is much less climate denial since our good old mate Trump got kicked out of the White House. Yes. You know, it yeah, seems yeah. to me that that credibility of that whole argument, which, you know, he proposed, didn't he, that it was all... He oh, pulled out of the Paris it, Agreement, didn't he? It was all a myth, yeah. and it all, yeah, yeah. And and but since he's gone, it, it seems that people have come back to, you know, seeing well, so, some sense on climate change. I certainly yes. hope people do, and I hope they take the action. Yes, I think so. Um, yeah. yeah, there's uh, but there's a few other um, good. Uh, we got a few other good articles. I'd like the readers to particularly note that um, since uh, uh, the you know they've seen. Uh, that I put on a bit of weight during the um, videos of Millennial Falcon. But as you can see in, in the forthcoming uh, issue, we, I wrote an article about keeping a log. I've managed to get myself uh, a, a lot fitter now. I just, uh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> there is a joke in that, but I'm not going to go any further. <laughs> I'm going to ruin no, it. Fair but, enough. But uh, yeah, so that, that whole in that, was in another interesting thing, dude. You know, Dick, uh, in writing that article about keeping the necessity, and I believe it to be a necessity of keeping a log. I spoke. I started to speak to quite a lot of people about whether people did keep logs. Um, right. That was all part of my research, and to my great surprise, over fifty percent said, "No, nah, not really." Um, do you do you keep a log, Dick? When you're, uh, I do. Even though, of course, my my stuff's mostly coastal uh, with few crossings of the North Sea and down Channel and stuff. But, yes, I, I do keep a log, and especially in the Thames Estuary where the sandbanks change on a regular basis and you may, your charts may well be out of date. But you can't fault a log. There's nothing like taking a sounding if you're going over a sandbank 
uh, and you tell the state of the tide what the range was, uh, make a note of the sounding and what time what time of the tide in during that tide you crossed it. So that another time when it's blowing hard and you think, can I get across there? You can look at the log and think, well, I got across there when it was half tide. And I had about, you know, a metre or so underneath me. I can maybe do it again. So I do find it useful. Yeah, I, do I think so. Up, yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, it's I, I've, I won't, there's no point me repeating everything that I've said in, in the article, but um, I, my logs cover a, a great deal of detail, deliberately so, um, so I can come back on watch myself primarily and, and, and get a nutshell immediately of what's been going on. But um, a lot of people keep, very detailed written logs, which I don't do so much, about their experiences on the way. Um, and I, you know, I must say, I, I, I can understand why that is, because, you know, you cover all these miles, you go to these various places, and it is really nice to turn back the pages and, and look at something you did, and, and you ah, oh, yeah, I remember that then, and I remember that. So yes, I think is. there's more to it I than, think so. than just simply keeping a position. I agree with that, um, and I do, you know, being somebody who quite enjoys writing anyway, I, I, I do put quite a lot of detail in. I remember once we were going into a place uh, in the north of France called Saint-Valerie-sur-Somme, uh, uh, and we hadn't got a chart going in there, so I had a, my mate, I said, look, we'll make a chart as we go and make some, take some measurements, take some bearings, make a note of it all, because when we come out, we'll, it'll be very useful. When we got in there, I looked at the chart, I said, what's this? You've got, he said, it's a donkey. I said, <laughs> a donkey tied to a stake. What an earthly good is that going to be? Somebody may have moved it on the way back out. But <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he took it quite seriously and quite literally. But it was actually very useful. And in fact, when we got in there, we we could we bought one from the harbour master, <laughs> small mm-hmm. chartlet of the entrance. But yeah, yeah. It, that was good fun. And I, you know, gave me a yeah, story. Yeah, it, it all helps. Yeah, because the other thing that um, we covered in that it's quite interesting. And and helpful in a way that we hadn't uh, broadcast these podcasts that I did with uh, uh, with Adam and Kiara sooner than we actually did because I <laughs> you'll notice I asked the question because it's been delayed it was I was asking a question that has now been answered because I asked uh, Adam and Kiara if they'd had anybody trying to justify um, bolt on kills and you know, uh, played hung rudders or, or, you know, particular design aspects that I feel are a weakness um, on boats to cross oceans in. Um, and uh, and, a, and in between when we recorded that and now, of course, Adam and Kiara have also done a podcast with uh, which is called On the Wind with Andy Shell, where he has done exactly that. And, and actually gone to far greater lengths, not to just just simply justify, um, you know, bolt on kills being acceptable, but to really put forward the kind of really, really very dangerous and very misleading information that because Andy hasn't seen himself or known somebody that's hit a container, you know, that, that's not really something ever to worry about. And, you know, but there's lots of other stuff, you know, that are in there. And I was I was really wound up about it when I read it. But I've spoken to other people since then 
And there's a lot, a lot of people out there very irate about um, right? what they feel is, uh, is, is the content of that and how it was managed as well. And, I, and I've now, and I'm again reiterating that, throwing down that uh, gauntlet, and I believe that uh, this subject needs to be covered um, a, a much in much greater depth because I'm worried about people getting the wrong, wrong idea and going off on boats on the basis of somebody as experienced as Andy is. And sure. uh, to some extent, I think he should know better than to just fly in the face of uh, uh, information that's out there uh, and, you know, uh, and, and, and be a denier of, you know, the dangers that do exist out there. Of course, to yeah, folks. yeah. And uh, I've said, and uh, uh, Decky, you're going to have to be the, uh, the ringmaster as I've invited Andy to do a podcast with us. Okay, uh, and I want to, I, I think the re- best way to do that would be for it to be a presidential debate type uh, setup, where each person gets a certain amount of time to speak, um, and then the other person gets a, a time to speak without interruption uh, from the other, because otherwise all you do is you just lose the microphone, you get halfway through what you're saying, and bang, oh hang on, didn't suit whoever uh, sure. is running the podcast. And I don't want to do that. And I, if Andy does want to come on, I promise that we will give him plenty of forum and free time to state his case. Um, but I do think it's something that serious, it seriously worries me. That's good, yes. And it's uh, incensed well, people, as I uh, said. Yeah. I, I've had lots of people really, really incensed over, you know, not, not people to do with Kraken. Nothing no, to do no, with that. No, fair enough. Sailors out there, you know. Yes. Well, that would be good. Let's hope he uh, let's hope he picks up that gauntlet. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll soon see. You yeah. know, but um, anyway, yeah, I hope the readers enjoy the edition that's gone out or it's going out, I should say. Yeah, next couple of days. It's Happy New Year. Now it's off of our. It's off of our. Uh, uh, it's left the press. <laughs> Letter press. Hot yeah. off the press. Yes. Oh, it's gone. Yeah, I think we <laughs> changed those wordings a bit. Yeah, that's true enough. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think, uh, yeah, the deliveries have gone out, as it yes. was in the old Fleet Street days, Dick. What did you say? What was the phrase you must have used when an edition was finally finished? It's gone off the stone. It's what? Gone off the stone. Oh, well, there you it go. Used to well, be, used to be set on a stone, a big, yeah. big stone. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Lithig- lithograph. Off the stone. That was before web offset and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. During hot metal, hot metal press. But uh, Yeah, yeah. Okay, but, well... It's yeah. it's off of our stone and it's out yeah. for people to in, uh, pick up ether. and read it in, in the ether in a couple yeah. of days. Yeah, excellent. Well, all right. Well, talking of Fleet Street uh, brings me to a happy conclusion. Um, of course. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> well, we we know the jury is out on uh, Ghislaine Maxwell in the in the case <laughs> over in America there, uh, and of course her daddy Robert Maxwell was an old newspaper magnate who I had once interviewed briefly. He owned the Daily Mirror, and of course he tumbled off the back of the his own motor yacht, the the Lady Ghislaine, named it after his daughter. Nobody quite knows what happens there. But um, the word in Fleet Street was, um, how come they found the body so quickly? And the answer was, they followed the line of half-eaten sharks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think he did have a bit of a reputation, didn't he? <laughs> he, he was a bit of a lunch merchant, that's for sure. Yeah. Anyway, okay, well, yes, good night from uh, me. And ta-ta from me. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.